Hello. In early May, I attended the Festival of Birds at Point Pelee National Park in southwestern Ontario. I was treated to some outstanding birding. I had point-blank looks at the gold and blue of prothonotary warblers. I saw my first blue-winged warbler and yellow-breasted chat. And I also had the opportunity to talk to other festival attendees. Uh, some of these were hardcore birders, people who had been religiously attending the festival for years. Others were interested in birds, but had never visited the park before while others were simply curious about what a bird festival might look like. I birded for a few hours one morning with an American couple who identified themselves as casual birders. They knew the common species, but had never seen many of the migrants, birds that can be hard to see if you don't know where and when to look for them. Fortunately, Pelee is a fabulous place to find these migrants, and knowledgeable, helpful folks are plentiful. We wandered the trails together, pausing to look at each new bird. Our excitement was palpable, and who could blame us? Warblers and vireos flitted in the treetops. Thrushes hopped across the forest floor, and brilliant red and black scarlet tanagers peered at us from their arboreal vantage points. I stopped and I pointed out a particularly lovely female red-winged blackbird. It was light brown with a small orangish wing patch, a streaky breast and a wonderful peach-colored throat patch. The couple laughed and said they weren't interested in looking at common birds. They wanted to see the good birds. <laughs> I smiled and agreed. We would look at the good birds. As my friend Claire once told me, they're all good birds, Gabe. I think Claire was completely right. The trick, in my opinion, is stopping to look at them. Like, to really look at them. Common birds offer the best opportunities to learn about bird behavior as well. Not only do you see them more frequently, but rarities are often out of their preferred habitat and exhibiting less than normal behavior. We continued on our excitement growing with each bird that we encountered. Ruby-crowned kinglets may be small and drab, but they have an enormous head on a tiny body and an attitude fit for something at least ten times their size. Red-breasted nuthatches circled down the tree trunks, filling their bills with insects before swallowing them in one gulp. Male robins chirped at us angrily, and we searched the forks of the budding trees to find the females huddled in their nests, keeping their eggs warm. As we neared the end of the trail, the couple spotted a bird picking its way through a muddy patch of grass. They lifted their binoculars to identify it, and I heard one of them whisper, Oh, what are you? You're beautiful. I grinned and joined in, focusing my binoculars on the bird, a female red-winged blackbird. Let's get started.
You are listening to The Prairie Naturalist, Saskatchewan's nature radio show, here on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. I am your host, Gabriel Foley. This week, Justin Peter joins me on the show. Justin is the Director of Programs and Senior Naturalist at Quest Nature Tours. Justin has also been a regular face at the annual Festival of Birds in Point Pelee, Ontario, where he leads nature walks and shares his considerable knowledge of the park's natural history. I'll chat with him about the Festival of Birds, how it compares with other popular birding festivals, why he loves Point Pelee so much, and maybe even his experiences birding in the prairies. But first, last week on the program, Ellie Knight, Program Manager for Wild Research's Night Jar Surveys, and a PhD candidate at the University of Alberta, where she studies habitat use by common nighthawks. She joined me on the program. Ellie told me about wild research, why surveys for night jars are important, as well as more specifics about what her research is about. If you want to learn more about her work, you can follow her on Twitter at LECNight, and that's night with a K. If you missed the show, you can find a link to the episode on the Prairie Naturalist Facebook page or on Twitter at the PR Naturalist. The Prairie Naturalist can be heard on the radio at 91.3 FM in Regina, on the web at cjtr.ca, on Access Television Channel 700, on SaskTel Max Channel 806, and on your smartphone if you download the CJTR app. The Prairie Naturalist is also rebroadcast on Sundays at 7.30 in the evening and on Wednesdays at 12.30 during the lunch hour. Now I have the nature list for you. Some upcoming events in Saskatchewan. There is the opportunity to go and visit a brood of falcons that uh, doctors Lynn and Rhonda Oliphant in Saskatoon are uh, raising. If you join Wild Birds Unlimited on July 14th, leaving Saskatoon at 6.30 p.m., you can go and check out, check out those falcons. That sounds like a fantastic opportunity. There's also the Garden Patch BioBlitz, on July 17th in Saskatoon, you can learn about biodiversity and identify plants and insects with members of the Saskatoon Nature Society at the Saskatoon Food Bank and Learning Center's Garden Patch. That's July 17th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. If you happen to be in Valmarie or Grasslands National Park on July 18th, there's going to be a presentation called Butcher Birds, which is, of course, on loggerhead shrikes, presented by Nature Saskatchewan and the, the stewards of Saskatchewan. That'll be July 18th in Valmarie at 7 p.m. In Regina, July 18th, you can find out how to go zero waste and minimize your impact on the environment at the Regent Place Branch Library. That's July 18th, 7 to 8 p.m. And finally, if you're in Saskatoon and you feel like doing some birding, you can join the Saskatoon Nature Society on one of their field trips. They're going to the Panas Lake Important Bird Area. 
The Saskatoon Nature Society is the steward of this important bird area, so every year they go and they conduct a survey there, and this is open to anyone to join. If you are interested, the hours are 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., so it'll be a long day, um, but it'll be a great day. Drive two and a half hours northeast of Saskatoon to get to the lake, and then Humboldt for supper on the way back. If you're interested, you can meet them at the Fast Gas at the corner of Highway 5 and 41 at 8 a.m. on July 13th. To see what else is happening around the province for nature and environmental events, check out ecofriendlysask.ca. Pili National Park, located in southwestern Ontario, is known to birders across Canada as a hotspot for birding. Each spring, the park hosts the Festival of Birds. <clears throat> Justin Peter is the Director of Programs and Senior Naturalist for Quest Nature Tour and a longtime supporter of the festival. He joins me on the line from Toronto. Welcome to the Prairie Naturalist, Justin. Hi, Gabriel. Thank you very much for having me. It's fantastic to get to talk to you. Um, can you tell me when your first trip to the Festival of Birds was? Well, my first trip uh, to Point Pelee um, was in late April of 1995. I won't say what my age was. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said Point Pelee, not the Festival of Birds, thus, because... I, I probably was there maybe five days before the Festival of Birds actually started. Oh, wow. Uh, my next my next visit would be uh, some years later in 2007 was my next visit. It was squarely in the Festival of Birds, which runs usually from May 1st through to the long weekend of May. And, uh, and I've been going back every... Every spring since May of 2007, I haven't missed one Festival of Birds since. And so can you tell me what a birding festival is exactly? What happens there? What is a birding festival? Well, it's, a, um, it's an occasion, uh, loosely defined, for bird lovers to come together to a certain location and enjoy the the natural concentration of birds that occurs in that specific area. So the festival, a bird festival, usually is, is not just sort of anywhere randomly. It's sort of a place where you can expect, um, whether uh, expect for a certain amount of time, there will be quite a bit of birds concentration, which allows people to see uh, birds, hopefully many birds, over a relatively short period of time. And uh, usually coupled with the natural phenomenon is some type of organized uh, event or events. So you can have um, educational presentations and talks where, where 
participants in the festival can come and learn about the birds they're seeing, maybe pick up some birding skills that they can take back home with them when they go back home. Um, oftentimes, bird festivals, in fact, usually I would say, usually there's a guided field component. So there'll be different field trips where participants can go with an experienced trip leader and see the birds there and uh, learn about them right there when, them, when they're there. So they're, they're uh, you know, expert uh, leaders are uh, able to find birds perhaps more efficiently than, um, than you might be as a beginner birder. So it's a, it's a good way for you, as, especially for beginners and more novice birds to go to the right place, but also get a, a sense for what is there. A lot of, lot, of, um, a lot of birders who come to festivals, as you were mentioning, they come to check it out because they've heard of it and they want to know, they want to see what, what, what's the big deal about the festival or a festival. So they're, they're enjoying the, that concentration of birds. They're seeing what's there. They're, they're learning about uh, their behaviors, how to identify them and and they're gaining skills and and just enjoying being out in the field with other people who are who happen to like the same thing that's that's another really important part of a, fe a bird festival is the the social component where you may be at home <laughs> looking at birds in your backyard most of the year and think that you're the only person who <laughs> who even cares about the birds that you're seeing at your feeder and you hear about a birding festival and you think oh that'll be interesting to check out there's going to be other people there and then you go and you see like really this is this is a big deal there are so many other people like me um maybe at m whatever my particular level of interest is who enjoy them and that's that's kind of a reaffirming feeling to to have that it's almost like a kind of validation that you get that I'm not the only bird lover in the world. There are others like me. And so what makes Pili such a great place to be having this festival? Well, uh, Point Pili is a great place for the Festival of Birds, uh, a great place really for bird life in general. Um, in, in the context of southwesternmost Ontario, there is very little natural habitat remaining that's unaltered by human activity. So Point Pili is not a huge park, but it has a, a really good uh, concentration of natural habitats. But the other thing that's really important is um, really in the name Point Pili. It's, it's a point, and so it's about a, it's a, it's a, a peninsula about 10 kilometers long that's, that's that's attached to the main part of Ontario, but it juts 10 kilometers south hmm. into Lake Ontario, uh, or rather Lake Erie, I should say, excuse me, Lake Erie, Lake Erie, which divides uh, Ontario from Ohio to the south in the, in the United States. And um, a lot of the birds, a lot of the small birds that, that bird lovers like to see, especially colorful ones like warblers and orioles and, and such, a lot of the song, the songbirds, when they're migrating in the when they're migrating in general in the spring and the fall, they migrate at night. So um, those birds will be flying over in, in favorable weather. They'll be, they'll be flying from from south to north overnight, and the the thought is that as daybreak approaches, when the birds can actually see the ground below them, they're using the stars to navigate at night as they're flying. But as day breaks, they can see what the land is like below them, 
And if you're a bird, a small bird, a few, you know, a few inches long, and you're out over Lake Erie, and the day daylight is coming, you don't want to be, you don't want to keep flying. You want to actually use the daytime to feed. And if you're flying and you see this peninsula that's close to you, that's 10 kilometers closer to you than the main shoreline, which is running west to east, that is 10 kilometers closer for you to land. So the thought is the birds are seeing this point of land sticking out and they will hone, hone on that, or home in rather, on that peninsula from, from, a, from a good area in that part of um, Lake Erie, if that makes any sense at all. So they're basically homing in on it and then landing, and then that leads to a concentration of birds there. Now, um, the, the thing about uh, Point Pelee, especially in the southern part of the park, is that trees are not very tall as they can be in, in other parts of southwestern Ontario. There are very tall trees in the park, but in the southern part especially, if you get a lot of those small birds land, they can't be up, the trees that they're in aren't very tall, so you have the birds cl the, the closer to you physically as, hmm. as the, the person on the ground walking around with your binoculars. Birds that might typically be you know, 60 feet in the air, perhaps they're 30 feet in the air. They're, they're 30 feet in the trees because the trees are just short. And the other thing about that is that a lot of the times, I mean, the birds are flying for several hours overnight. They're exhausted when they land in the morning and they may not even be up in the trees. They may be so exhausted that they will come down at eye level or even on the ground. They're exhausted. They're tired. They don't have a lot of energy to, to just to 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 feed as they normally would and they are just hungry and they're feeding they're looking for any food they can find on the ground they're too tired to be in the trees or perhaps if the weather is cold they're they're hunting on the ground and you are seeing these beautiful birds not only beautiful birds but um you know various birds right in front of you so you have a lot of birds sometimes and really close to you so it really makes for a, a very um, impactful visual experience so it's it's a it's a concentration. It's the colors. It's it's just the being around all these other people who are we're all enjoying that show at the same time. And and the the numbers of birds vary from one day to the next. You can't that that phenomenon of lots of birds being visible easily visible. That's not happening every single day. But if you go for a few days, you kind of have a pretty good chance of of um, of experiencing one of those events. So how do you think that this festival, the Festival of Birds at Pili, how do you think that compares to some of the other festivals that are going on around North America? Ooh, that's a, that's a really good question. That's a, a, a tr kind of a tricky question. I don't <laughs> want to uh, you know, cast a, a shade on anyone else's bird festival. But... but uh, I mean, I'm a little bit biased to Peely because Peely, for me, as a child growing up, I you know I first heard about it on the Nature of Things with David Suzuki, and I thought, oh, I just have to go there. Hmm. It was it was sort of that first place I needed to go to. Um, for I would say for Canadians, certainly those in Eastern Canada who who can get there more easily, um, it it is sort of the closest uh, and a close one of the closer places to get to, and the festival itself has been ongoing since the early 1980s. So there's a tradition of people going there and a lot of people they just go there every year. They kind of go and they have to go no matter what. 
they feel this need to go. So there's a, a long culture there. And part of being there, even as a, a beginner birder, if you're coming there the first time, um, or even if you're an experienced birder coming there the first time, you kind of feel that there's just this feeling of almost ownership that so that a lot of people have over the park because they've been coming so long. So you, you feel that sense of almost pride in like, this is Point Pelee, this is a great place for birds. And, and, and that ownership, I think, I, I would suspect that uh, many of the newer festivals simply don't have that tradition. Hmm. Um, and, and part of it also, I mean, the festival goes back to the early 1980s, but the migratory phenomenon, the fact that you could get these sometimes huge concentrations of, of birds coming through the park, that goes back to the late, uh, to the last decades of the 19th century. Hmm. So there, there is this long-standing consciousness of, around Point Pelee, which has sort of, which has made it um, very well known uh, within Canada, within North America, uh, and also internationally. So I think that's one way it stands out. Um, I would hate to say that, you know, Point Pelee has <laughs> necessarily more birds, or better birds, better birds than other festivals. I think part of it, as I said, part of it is the the tradition. The other p part that I think is is really important is the fact that it is a, that peninsula I was talking about, where you can have these spectacular um, fallout events. And the, I mean, there are other places where you can go and see a variety of birds. I'm sure. I absolutely don't doubt it, but that as i was saying that social aspect is really important and when you get a lot of burgers at point Pelee because of the the just the topography the the fact that it's that peninsula attracting birds from all around and having a fallout when you are, when you have that social experience of a lot of people seeing a lot of birds in that one place it's not happening every day, but but there's that memory, that collective memory that forms. Like, oh, remember where were you there like three years ago or ten years ago, whatever it is, when there was that massive fallout with a huge number of oh, I don't know, scarlet tanagers or whatever. Mm. There's that long-standing tradition of of memory that that's there. So I think that's almost just part of it that you can't um, that that I think makes it really special. So. That's what I'll say about that. <laughs> I guess the other part also is that the park really does have beautiful natural habitats. I mean, birds might land there if if it were if there weren't forests there. I, I don't know, just because of of the, of the the natural layout of the land. But it has an interesting variety of habitats. Um, you know, some birders will will readily admit that they don't like being around large groups of people watching. Right watching birds up close um, or they may enjoy that for a time but they might like to you know a little bit of um, decompression time time to, to get away and find a, find a more quiet trail somewhere else where you can still see birds or maybe find birds that other people haven't even found yet and that's another part of Peely is that you can have concentrations of, of people looking at birds in one spot but if, if you want to step away you can and you can find this really nice feeling of wilderness even hmm. in deep down south southwestern ontario where there's very little forest left you can just go on your own you know perfectly safely on a forest little forest footpath and just stop and watch and and find things happening all around you 
And so you have that, those different dimensions, those different layers of solitude that are there and the, the interesting habitats like uh, Cattail Marsh, which I know out, <laughs> you're no stranger to out in Saskatchewan, <laughs> uh, you know, large Cattail Marshes. In fact, Point Pelee has a, uh, its wetland is a, a Ramsar designated wetland, which means it's a wetland of international significance. So it's, you have that, you have um, younger forests, older forest fields, uh, including places with uh, prickly pear cacti. And so there's all these little, little nooks and this variety that's there. So I think that's another part of it is that, uh, and, and, and then that tying back that whole tradition into it, as you, you go to those trails every year, um, or whether it's, you know, maybe it's every five years you go to Peely, you'll look, you just tend to start looking for, oh, where was that cactus patch? Or where was this? Or where was that? Or what, what happened to it? And you just, it just feels like home. I think that's what I would say about it. It really has a nice homey feeling. So um, that's what I would say makes Point Peely's Festival of Birds really special. We've only got a couple minutes left. Can you tell me how festivals contribute to the culture of birding and maybe to bird conservation as a whole? Yes, I think, um, well, festivals contribute immensely to the culture of birding. I, I think they almost, um, they, they are one of the top factors contributing because there are a lot of uh, newer bird lovers coming to these festivals, they get a sense of, um, you know, a, a sense of, of competence, if you will, of, of seeing like, I looked at birds at my feeder, but now I can come and I can learn how to look for birds and how to be better at identifying them and getting a sense of confidence that, hey, this is something I can do. Um, and also, as I said, that, that validation, that sense of validation you get as a, as a, a bird lover from from learning about birds and seeing them, you naturally, I think, you tend to get us, you know, when you go back home, you tend to be more informed and um, vigilant. You tend to watch more and see more around your own place of residence. So I think you just, I think that that uh, that becomes an important part of, of who you are is that you're looking out for birds. And if you care about birds, I mean, we like to say it's it's, it can be hard to prove, but that people who care more about birds care about the environment more mm -hmm. and about preserving that because they love birds. Because when you love yeah. birds, birds kind of become part of you and who you are. So I think that's what I would say. Um, and, and festivals, when, when you see the other people who, who, how many other people love birds and are interested in them, um, that, that gives that sense of validation and importance, I think, to your own hobby. You might just consider it a little hobby, but, but, um, it's, it's a worthwhile endeavor for sure. Um, in terms of conservation, really, that, that's kind of an extension of that. I think you care more for those environments. All right, one last quick question for you, Justin. Um, yes. Do you have a favorite prairie bird? Do I have a favorite prairie bird? That is a great question. I will, I will answer that very easily. I love the yellow-headed blackbird. <laughs> Excellent choice. <laughs> we have a small, a very small number that breeds in southwesternmost Ontario, but if I want to see them well, I have to go out to the prairies, and uh, I have my spots in Saskatchewan to go and see them. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Justin. Thank you very much, Gabriel, for having me. I've been speaking with Justin Peter, program director and senior naturalist at Quest Nature Tours.
You are listening to The Prairie Naturalist on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. I'm your host, Gabriel Foley. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. My thanks to Justin Peter for joining me on the show today. If you like learning about natural history and especially trees, Justin has a real thing for trees, you should definitely follow him on Twitter or Instagram at birder underscore Justin. That's birder underscore Justin. If you have comments or questions about what you've heard or if you missed last week's show, you can find out more on Facebook at The Prairie Naturalist or on Twitter at The PR Naturalist or my own account, Bird Nerd Foley. That's nerd with an I. This has been The Prairie Naturalist on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina, Community Radio. And I'm your host, Gabriel Foley. Thank you for listening.